The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports. I'm Clay Link here today, as always, joined by lead prospect writer James Anderson. James, pretty good day. We got the Reds on the big screen. I got my Punisher tee on. Um, now that I got the shirt, expect Aristides Aquino to go into a, say, about two for 51 slump. Certainly expecting that. But uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Uh Really, really cool Wednesday. Got the Reds, Estides, Estides Aquino, Kang looking to, to start the game. So <laughs> I knew you'd take a little pleasure in that. Uh, no, I, I was watching the game like Sunday, and Chris Welsh, who I really do like, especially compared to Tom Brenneman, saying that his play discipline has been really impressive, almost as impressive as his power. That's not what I've seen, and the, the chase rate's super high. So I actually do have quite a bit of concerns about Aquino moving forward. That's like when people say like he's a better better person than he was a player. Like, like <laughs> just you super can't, like you, you can't, can't quantify, be better. Yeah. You know, if you're one of the best power hitters like of the sure. past two weeks, then your your discipline's not going to be. It's not going to look bad. bad. Yeah, but there are so you can actually can quantify it a little bit, and definitely reasons to be concerned. I don't think you should be anybody should be like taking an L for not having not expecting much from Aquino to start, but. James, we're going to be looking at your top 15 hitters under 23 years old today. Latest Farm Futures up on the site. I'm wondering, though, what kind of prompted this article for you? Uh, I get a lot of reader requests for just, can you do this? Can you do that? And if it's an idea that I like, I'll usually do it. And I had someone request, like, people always want to know how the recent graduation guys stack up to the current prospects, uh, especially once we've had, you know, 50, 100, even in some of these cases, you know, over 200 games uh, in the big leagues for some of these guys, just like where would they rank if they were still prospect eligible, that type of thing. And I mean, I, I, my favorite 
part of ranking prospects is, um, you know, ranking the kind of elite super young guys. And, uh, so that with hitters, it's really easy to kind of lower that bar all the way down to like under 23 years old. And you're still going to have some of the best hitters in baseball, some of the best, uh, assets in the game. And it's just crazy how many young, awesome hitters there are in the game today. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think the, uh, Focusing on developing international talent is a major, major reason for this. I mean, 12 of the 15 guys on this list were signed on the international market. Only three of them were drafted. So that's where all this talent's coming from. And when you get guys that are this athletic uh, into a structured professional baseball environment at the age of 16, and some of these guys are just going to end up developing into studs by the time they're 20, 21 years old. So... Um, you know, when these guys are graduating from the prospect rankings at age 20, there's still a bunch of guys populating the top of that list that are in there, you know, 22, 23, 24. Uh, so it is kind of fun to just forget about prospect status and just look at age and see where, uh, these guys stack up. Yeah. This list is just absolutely silly. The talent on this list. And I know I haven't listened to it. I got to get around to it. It's, I got a backlog of podcasts, but I know, our buddy Rob Silver was on the Yahoo Fantasy Baseball podcast recently with Scott Pianowski, and they were kind of discussing, you know, the unpopular takes that they kind of hold dear. And uh, one of them for Rob was that now is actually the best time to be a baseball fan. All this talk, you know, goose gossage, just crawl back in your hole, goose. Um, but people, you know, I think there are flaws in the current game, but the talent right now is so exciting. I'm more amped up as a fan than I've been in the past decade. Yeah, and this, uh, um, when I put this list together, it was just it was one of the funnest articles to do for that reason because you just have, like, how are you going to put some of these guys lower? Like, it just seems insane to say like, oh well, Glaber Torres is only the ninth best player under the age of twenty three. Yeah. Like that just seems insane to say. And then you just kind of look at the list. It's like, well, I mean, this guy's so good. This guy's so good. And like, we're gonna get another eight nine ten years of these guys in their prime i mean these guys are already in their prime and they're not even 23 years old yet i mean it's it's just so exciting yeah it's great um before we get into this though real quick uh james did you know that rotowire has a college football podcast it's a great podcast how about that yeah it really is Hosts Nick Whalen and John McKechnie will be posting episodes each wednesday throughout the season with a focus on fantasy and betting just search for Rotowire College Football anywhere you listen. Uh, you already listen to podcasts. By the way, I heard they're going to be ranking and reviewing the XFL team names and logos today. So that's something to look forward to. But uh, kicking off this list, James, top 15 hitters under 23, Ronald Acuna Jr. No surprise here. Um, I give you a lot of credit because I had him, I thought, fairly high, and I guess relative to others, but you were adamant that he should be the third overall player you said that early on in draft season you stood by it man he's gonna be winning leagues i have him only in a couple spots but i'm loving having ronald acuna where i do and um just not really as good as the other guys are behind him i don't think there's a case for anybody else no no i mean the the easiest uh ranking on this list was the number one spot and uh, there's just not a ton to say about Acuna, really. I mean, it's um, really kind of amazing just the fact that he, the power he gets to. I think I was talking uh, with our buddy Kevin O'Brien about this, and maybe I think with you as well, uh, just looking back to the home run derby. And, uh, you know, Acuna, I don't know if he was trying to win it, but I definitely think he was trying to put on a show of just look at look at my opposite field power you guys are all trying to yank the ball out to left field i'm gonna hit tape measure shots to the opposite field and just sort of show off what i got and um i mean it's just his power is so when he gets his hands or his arms extended and just gets a hold of one to the opposite field it's just so majestic and uh the base stealing obviously is is the big separator here i mean a lot of these guys have similar batting average and power ceilings as Acuna, but really none of them uh, combine that sort of elite batting average and, and home run uh, ceiling with a 
25 to 40 stolen base ceiling, which I expect him to carry into next season and probably the year after that. I mean, eventually he's not going to be a guy that's stealing 30, 35 bases. Uh, that's just kind of the, the way it goes as you sort of max out physically and just kind of become, you know, Mike Trout type of guy. Uh, you're just not going to be stealing uh, 30 to 40 bases, but I still think that speed's going to be there next year, the year after, and that's that's really the big separator with him. Yeah, that's very true. What do you think, though? I mean, anywhere in the top three is great for next year, but where do you have Acuna heading into 2020? I Honestly, I, I don't know yet. I think uh, we'll learn more over these next six weeks. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people have turned it into an Acuna versus Trout debate, and uh, I think that's kind of a slight on Christian Yelich just because – you know, he steals bases, uh, you know, with these guys too. And he's a guy that's probably going to win several more batting titles in his career. And he plays in a great park, uh, you know, for, for Kentucky Derby preferences, I think the number three overall pick is a, is a great place to be because you get one of those guys and you don't have to make that decision at one or two. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm up in the air right now, too. And I was doing the TGFBI pod. Uh, Ariel Cohen, Reuben Guy, and I said Trout, but I reserved the right to change my mind like 30,000 times before the start of 2020. Um, the only thing with Yelich, and I don't even think it's a valid concern, but maybe as he's you know about to turn 28, maybe like Trout, the stolen base uh chances uh, how many times he takes off maybe that number's reduced a little bit but he's 24 for 26 I mean that's great efficiency on the base paths yeah I mean he's just so smart about when he goes and he steals a lot of his bases just off the pitcher like he uh it's rarely a close play when he steals a base mm-hmm. I mean he's usually in there pretty comfortably um you know that uh, he's just one of those guys where i i don't know what what the flaw would be with him i mean you're you're kind of it's it's impossible to pick between the three i think which is going to make there's going to be a lot of just long-winded debates that don't really mean anything this mm-hmm. upcoming off season it's like you can't go wrong with those three uh, yeah the draft really starts at four yeah i mean you you just kind of it's personal preference maybe you can find if you spend the whole off season looking for separators with these guys i'm sure you'll be able to find some I think Acuna probably has the highest stolen base upside, but he also probably has the lowest batting average floor of the of the three. So, uh, really pick your poison. But I mean, you definitely can't go wrong. So number one, not really a hard call, but two is kind of tough. Some guys you could uh, you you know pick a top fifteen hitter under twenty three. Although I do think you made the right call. Juan Soto just what he's done since breaking in last year, just unreal and. The the foundation is there, everything is really there, and I don't think, you know, there, there may be a case for some other guys, but I think this is the right call. Did you go back and forth with maybe Tatis or, or someone else? So the way I sort of structured it was, uh, or just initially when I was kind of outlining the article, I just sort of ranked like 20 guys just without doing any research at all, just kind of like off top of my head like where would they slot in uh and i had i ended up putting tatis number two just right away but then i quickly changed my mind and put soto uh, ahead of him um i just think he's just so safe like that to have this type of floor for a guy who isn't even 21 years old yet is just you know, almost unprecedented. And, you know, maybe there's a guy below him that ends up uh, outperforming him over the next five to 10 years. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there actually probably will be a guy that, you know, whether it's Tatis or, or Franco or whoever, somebody probably comes up and just based on stolen bases ends up passing him. But I think the fact that Soto's turned into a guy that steals some bases this year um, has kind of made it an easier call to put him number two because it's not just a four category profile anymore and even the guys that are only going to steal eight to ten maybe 12 bases in a season that's still 
really valuable when you're trying to compile as many steals as you can on your roster. Um, I think that that was kind of a, a separator uh, that made me feel more comfortable putting him in the two spot versus if he was just still a four category guy. Yeah. Those names you mentioned, I think in that mix Vlad too, but you know, Soto's kind of what I thought Vlad would be right away. He's, you know, Soto hasn't had any bumps in the road and the combination of plate discipline, contact skills, power, and now the speed. Yeah. It's, it's great. Do you think he'll be a first rounder next year? Borderline for sure. I mean, I it, <laughs> doing this article, it's just, I can't wait for drafts next year because it's just, I, I think I've mentioned this to you. There are just going to be so many amazing hitters that go kind of in that 15 to like 60 range of the draft. Like mm-hmm. you can yeah, the get the top like 100 is just stacked. And, and so I think, I think you're going to see pitching once again. I think there's going to be three, four, maybe even five pitchers that, that are going, uh, at least borderline first round just because there is so much depth in terms of position players you can get in rounds two through six or seven. So I don't think it's a lock that Soto's got an ADP inside the top 15. Um, I think he's probably gonna have an ADP inside the top 20, but if you are picking at the turn and you want to go pitcher Soto or Soto pitcher or something like that, I, I definitely don't think that's a bad way to start off a roster. It's just, there's so many it's easy to say well how can soto not be a first rounder but then you you know you start listing off all the guys right. that are also going to be first rounders and it's there's just so much talent up there i mean it's, there's no shame in only being a second round pick this year yeah i mean yeah i could see either way the, the stolen bases being added in the mix i think gives uh gives him a, a case to be a first rounder we'll see if it and, happens and i think uh i you know i mentioned in the article but this these are for standard five by five roto leagues so if you're playing obp and you're not playing batting average then i think soto is a clear first rounder and you know his his obp skills are just you know that still matters even if you're only playing in a batting average league a guy that's on base that much that ups his his run scored and all, and all that stuff so um there is there are some slight wrinkles that where these rankings might change here or there if it's for obp instead of batting average and then Tatis third on this list, and you know he does have more of a a stolen base punch, more stolen base upside certainly. And I know our own Scott Jenstead has said he thinks Tatis is going to be a first rounder in a lot of NFBC drafts where people competing for the overall, really emphasizing speed. And I could see it, although the injuries, you know, two two stints on the IL this year. Now this one's going to knock him out for the rest of the season. I think that has to be taken into account and. You know, as, as great as he's been, um, I don't know if I feel comfortable projecting him yet for a full season's worth of at-bats. Yeah, no, I think he would have started being a a late first-round pick in NFBC leagues if he never had this, this last injury. But I think we are kind of prisoners of the moment, and the last thing everyone's going to remember is Tatis missing the final seven weeks of the season. Yeah. And, you know, I think the stolen bases, I mean – man it's it's appealing to start your roster with one or two hitters that you you hope can get you 20 plus steals and he certainly fits that bill um i think the batting average the the range of outcomes the range of possible outcomes with batting average uh have to factor in here as well you know i mean i think you compare a guy like Tatis maybe with a guy like Trevor Story uh, when you're on the clock at, at say, pick 14 or 15. Um, maybe you go Story just because you feel better about his durability and uh, you feel better about maybe where his batting average floor is. But, uh, you know, Tatis – so, like, you can look at his numbers this year and you can say, oh, well, you know, he's going to regress from batting average. But uh, he's still – only 20 years old and he's gonna probably get better cut down on the strikeouts uh, heading into year two so maybe that sort of offsets the the batting a lot of the batting average regression regression that we're cooking in and you know he's got that upside to next year finish as a top five fantasy player pretty easily right Mm -hmm. like if he hits 285 with 
30 plus homers and 30 plus steals and that would mean he stays healthy but he could totally do that so i i get it but there's just so many good players you have to do some risk reward analysis there so i think he's probably going to go in that juan soto range i mean which which of those two would you take for redraft leagues next year i'd I'd take soto right now i think yeah fernando tatis jr is an unreal talent i actually do think even after the injury he'll probably will sneak into some first rounds late in the draft season like after people see him on the field in spring training get drunk on the talent again um because it's just the the trend with stolen bases continuing to trend and it's just so hard to compete in that category especially if you don't emerge from the first few rounds with some stolen bases yeah no i think that the the stolen base factor i mean especially in like the like you said leagues with overall prizes you know it's tough to take your first i mean you have to take one of those stud pitchers at least in the first three rounds and then you know it's tough to take a guy like even a guy like say jd martinez or or freddie freeman uh to have your offensive anchor be a guy that's not gonna threaten for 20 steals Mm -hmm. is it's tough with an overall price yeah from a team building standpoint it is tough because just not a lot of found money i guess you know malik smith was reasonably priced but maybe you dropped him when he got demoted you know and um mondesi it's been tough it's uh i forced him up but really his contributions there have if i get him back in september maybe it's not a a big loss because how much every stolen base is worth and he's got 31 um i can't remember what the exact number was but we you and i were talking about this the other day i think i said like 11 of the top 15 guys in stolen bases went in the first three rounds of Mm -hmm. the of drafts so you can you find to. like a Malik Smith, um, you know Jonathan VR. I think was a a great pick yep. uh, where he was going, um, but like even Malik Smith next year, I'm I'm really worried about his playing time next year. I mean he's a really really bad like the the gap between his fantasy value and his real life value is just massive, mm. and to me he's just. Like they they had to bench him earlier this month because of he just kept doing stupid stuff on the bases and in the field. And you know, with Jake Fraley up, you know, I don't I don't think it's a lock at all that Malik Smith starts eighty games next year. So I mean, yeah. the, there's the the guys, the speed guys that go in the top three rounds, they go in the top three rounds for a reason. Like the guys exactly. that fall, there's there's a ton of risk factors there. Yeah, and I'll be probably driving the issue uh, even harder this coming year because power you need more of it to compete, obviously, but there's just so many sources of it that I feel like I can adequately stack up with enough power late. Uh, but let's move on, James. Wander Franco checking in four, which, you know, for a guy who obviously hasn't debuted yet, he's still, what, at, what level is he at? High? High. Yep. I mean, just speaks to how uh, talented and kind of over the moon you are long-term about Wander Franco. And for anybody who's like, well, James is carried away, you were on Acuna and one of the his uh, – most adamant supporters throughout his time in the minors too. So Franco is just a lock that he's going to be a superstar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, and he's a guy that I think is going to have legitimate redraft value next year. Um, you know, he's going to, I don't, he probably finishes the year at high. A. I don't think there's enough time for it to make sense for him to bump him up to double a, but in big league camp next year, I mean, he's going to look better than Willie Adamas. He's going to look better than all their middle infielders. And I just don't see how, you know, it, it sort of matters in terms of whether a guy, a team starts a guy's clock. It's like breaking camp, how big league ready is this guy? Because if he's pretty much ready as soon as you break camp, are you seriously going to keep him in the minors that entire season when he was ready at the start of the season? Uh, I just, I don't see it. I I think the Rays are, you know, they, they've dealt with some serious injury issues this year and they're, they've still been really competitive. I think if, if they are looking like a team that's, that's pretty healthy in spring training with guys like glass now, um, Blake Snell, you know, if, if all those guys are healthy and, and ready to, to be big time contributors for them, a full season of Brendan McKay in the rotation, 
I just I think you have to have Franco on the big league roster for a good chunk of of the season uh, because he could be a four win player as a as a rookie. Like he could really be the difference between you winning the division and not winning the division. So uh, I think he will. You know, I don't think he'll have an ADP necessarily inside the top 350 in drafts in like November, December. But once he starts playing in, in spring training games, I think it'll be kind of a Fernando Tatis situation where the ADP continues to climb late in drafts and people are willing to stash this guy, even if it's a, a two month stash, which I think it probably will be. I think they will hold him down until mid June so that they can only. Uh, deal with the three years of arbitration instead of the four but i think he's the type of guy that i would happily use one of my seven bench spots on because he is a five category guy um <clears throat> he could steal 20 bases 18 18 20 25 bases in four months so uh that speed factor alone i think makes him a very appealing guy to break uh breakout drafts with a stash on yeah, man. I don't expect the Rays to pull a Padres like they did with uh, Tatis. Oh, absolutely but, uh, not. <laughs> no, starting on the big league roster. But I think, you know, you just only so long you can keep a guy down and he's just beating the door down like crazy. So, yeah, he'll be a guy that was very interesting in redraft formats next year. And you mentioned Brendan McKay. Yikes. It's been tough, but that's really just the nature of the beast with pitching prospects. So, really forever, but also just this year with this environment. I'm. I'm working on – I wasn't even going to do uh, a pitching version of this, but I had multiple people request one in the comments of this, so I'm going to do that. And pitching is just such a such a different animal. Like everyone knows that. I mean, it goes mm-hmm. without saying. But um, if I tried to do a top 15 pitchers under 23, I think it would be like Mike Soroka would maybe be the only non-prospect that would qualify. Uh, because it's just you don't break in. You don't become a good big league starting pitcher typically until you're 25, 26, 27. And it's just – it's so different. Like you you look at the guys, um, like all the best pitchers for the most part are in their mid to late 20s or in their 30s. Like it's just uh, when a guy like McKay struggles out of the gate, you really got to be careful not to, not to give up hope on him uh, just in his first eight starts. Yeah, Aquino out here swinging at everything, by the way. Against Yardley? You better take him, Yardley. (laughs) Uh, Real quick note before we move on. It's officially August, which means football season is around the corner, and Yahoo Fantasy has introduced a new fantasy football game called Best Ball. It lets you get in on the action now. With Best Ball, you draft your fantasy football team, and that's it. You don't need to do a thing once you've drafted your team. Each week, the top-scoring players at each position on your roster will automatically count towards your weekly score. Forget about the time commitment. No waiver wire, no trades, no adding or dropping players, no having to make those tough start or sit decisions. Focus on the best part of fantasy football, the draft. Tired of doing doing mock drafts for your fantasy team and having the other players drop out early and not finish the draft? Free best ball leagues give you the most accurate ADP or average draft position of players before the season starts. Can't get enough fantasy football but don't want to manage those teams all season? You can draft up to 50 best ball teams. Play for free or play for cash, but most importantly, get to drafting with Yahoo Fantasy Best Ball. Join the league today at yahoo.com slash best ball. Next up on the list, James, Vlad Jr. You mentioned earlier that we all just by nature are uh, prisoners of the moment, I think is the way you phrase it. And, you know, it hasn't been super smooth sailing, but has this season really factored into this? Are you still um, evaluating Vlad really on what he's done over several years, not just at the major league level this year. Well, I mean, if if I was only going off of this year, he'd probably be three or four spots lower than this. Um, it you hasn't know, th- been a bad year. No, 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 no. I so here here's the one issue with Vlad is every single guy we've talked about so far has a chance to steal double digit bases next year. Right. I mean, he he's not even going to steal five bases next year. So his batting average and home runs and RBIs and runs really have to uh be very elite for him to kind of be mentioned in the the same breath as these as these top guys and I think they will be. I think the fact that I have him fifth over the guy that we're going to talk about next um is, you know, speaks to how 
unconcerned I am by anything that's happened this year. I mean, I, I still think for next year he's going to hit well over 330 bombs, you know, hitting the middle of that lineup. Um, yeah, that was it's, a dumb question. I apologize. It, it's just wh- like how do you – where do you draw the line on like the first zero speed guy on this list, right. you know, and – I think this is where you draw that line. I mean, to like Frank, like Wander Franco is a better prospect, and I've said this in his outlook uh, before the season. Like he's a better prospect than Vlad was at the same age, and he's been better this year than Vlad was at the same age. So it's not um, a prisoner of the moment to put Franco ahead of Vlad. I mean that that was yeah. kind of we could, we could see this coming. Uh, and Vlad's power, it's it's going to be uh, big time, but it's, you know, I, I think Juan Soto is going to flirt with a 50 homer season before Vlad does. And, um, you know, Tatis and Vlad probably have similar power numbers next year. So that's that's kind of where you have to nitpick a little bit, and that's how Vlad ends up at five, but I couldn't drop him any lower than that yeah that was a stupid question i admit obviously we're not evaluating vlad only uh, on what he's done so far but it is our first major league sample for him and he's been the guy we expected since the all-star break for what it's for for the most part although he's he cooled off again for a little bit but he had that one toward stretch and he's just one of the few guys who over any period of time could hit like 350 400 like he's just i just waiting for that breakout hasn't really come yet but i still think there's Obviously, so much alike with Vlad. The stolen bases obviously do ding him in, in traditional 5x5. Five five. I think he's going to be a good value in drafts mm. next year because yeah. I think he'll be going kind of where he was going this year. And, you know, that's – if you can get some speed and some pitching in your first three picks and then take Vlad in the fourth round to really solidify the other four offensive categories, I think that's a great way to start off a draft. Yeah, and there will be probably some people who say, well, he wasn't – that great last year so that's gonna i i really hope that that narrative is loud and and yeah. pronounced i'd love for people to talk junk about vlad this offseason yeah i think i mean maybe not talking junk but maybe talking junk on the cost so yeah keep it down keep that price nice and low on vlad jr uh the guy right behind vlad on the list number six rafael devers He's been like, in terms of earned dollar values, I was looking at that tool on our site the other day. He's been like a first rounder. Unreal season for Devers. Uh, obviously, you're a big believer. You have him ahead of Jordan Alvarez. Um, what what still needs to be kind of fixed in, in Devers' game, if anything? Nothing needs to be fixed. Uh, it's just kind of, you know, this is sort of extreme confirmation bias on you know an elite prospect has a year where he's finally sort of making good on that prospect pedigree and so i think there's going to be a section of of fantasy drafters who sort of just take what he did this year and kind of say all right well that's what he's going to do next year heck he might even be better than that because he's going to be a year older and i think that's uh a dangerous way to draft and a dangerous way to evaluate players in the off season. I mean, he hit 240 last year, so I don't expect him to hit 240 ever again in a full big league season. But it's you know we've seen this with guys. I think like Bryce Harper's 2015 season maybe is is like the best example of this, where a guy does sort of exactly what everyone had always hoped he would do and then we're just like all right this is you know set it and forget it that's what he's going to do next year and it it definitely could happen uh but i think you're gonna end up having to pay a first round pick to see if it does happen like i think devers of all the guys we've talked about is going to be the second guy in adp behind ronald acuna in drafts next year unless he really cools down over the next six months i mean the five category production from him that he's putting forth this year is going to be like, people are going to look at that and be like, Oh man, that's, that's a middle first round pick or late first round pick. And I just don't see that as being uh, a good use of a first round pick in my opinion, especially when you could get a guy like Vlad, maybe 
30 picks later, 35 picks later, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, I think some people would probably have Devers two spots higher, maybe even three spots higher on this list, just based on what he's done this year. But I think we got to be careful to say, hey, like Vlad was Vlad even this year in a quote unquote disappointing year has been better than uh, Devers was in his first year. I guarantee Vlad's second year is going to be better than Devers' second year. And so are we really going to give Devers that bump over Vlad just because in his third year he's finally put it all together? I mean, I, I, I just I can't really quite get there. But, again, very, very impressive breakout from him. I mean, being six on this list is is not meant to be a slight. I mean, there's a lot of studs below him. Yeah, like if you try to nitpick Rafael Devers, it's like, well, he doesn't really walk much. Chase rates around forty percent. He's you know upped his pull percentage, but against the shift, guy's batting three eighty four. So you know, every projection system has him hitting at least two ninety. And really, even with some room for growth, maybe with the plate skills, I mean, the fact that he's been able to overcome those at this point and have a 145 WRC plus it's like there's only room for improvement and I don't know it's just hard to to nitpick but I do think maybe he's a little overdrafted uh next year but we'll see Bobachet I got to admit I I'm, I'm a real idiot because in in the league of alternative baseball reality AL labor reserve round the first reserve round I'd bought Vlad um and so you know I knew he was going to start in the minors so I had to protect myself with Brandon Drury just oh, yeah. had to do it. And then Colton and the Wolfman got Bo Bichette, first round of reserves, and good God, they're surging now. Of course, they they won the league last year, AL Labor. I just feel them breathing down my neck. I'm sure they're going to, to leapfrog me yet again on the strength or on the back of Bo Bichette. But you have Bichette uh, eighth right uh, behind Jordan Alvarez. Uh, did you go back and forth between these two? Because I think this is a, a tough call. No, actually, I didn't. I, no? I the top seven um i really didn't change like uh, i i maybe tweaked like i like i said i initially started with tatis ahead of soto for like a second changed that i really didn't change um franco vlad devers alvarez at all during the process it just um i'm just so confident in jordan alvarez's ability to just be a monster in the four non-speed categories um that i just i think he's absolutely the real deal i don't know how he could possibly slip uh to the point where you'd be concerned like sure maybe he hits 300 instead of whatever he's hitting right now or maybe he hits maybe he hits like 290 in a really really unlucky season but i just i don't see how uh he doesn't continue to just post monster numbers in a an amazing offense uh with with Bichette there's there's a ton to like obviously but you know I I think the there's a a wider range for the batting average with him or like a a lower floor I guess with the batting average with him than with Alvarez Uh, I I don't see him hanging with Alvarez in terms of power output he's obviously going to steal more bases but um he's just he's a bit more volatile to me uh going forward in terms of just not exactly sure what it looks like over a full season, whereas I just have zero questions about what Alvarez is. So uh, maybe if I did this list a year from now, Bichette would be ahead of Alvarez, but just the the confidence I have in Alvarez being an elite four-category guy is such that I didn't really consider that uh, much at all. Fair enough. The stolen bases were the you kind of thing that closed the gap for me, although Bichette only two for six on the base pass at the big league level. Bichette has seven homers compared to 19 for Jordan. I guess, again, prisoner of the moment a little bit with uh, Bichette after he had two homers yesterday against Kershaw. Just kids really good. But yeah, Jordan Alvarez, it's almost just ho-hum when he, when he goes yard nowadays. He, his, I mean, his homers, I think you could argue are the funnest to watch of anyone we've talked about like he he's absurd it's it's so crazy how much back control he has through the zone where it doesn't even look like he's swinging that hard and he just he like steadies the bat makes sure it's lining up to hit the ball and then it's out 
Like it's just so, it's so crazy. It's absolutely wild. I was thinking maybe they'd finally give Kyle Tucker a chance at first. Uh, but no, you got to play what Jack Mayfield. You just gotta <laughs> gotta have him at short. Um, did like, Kyle Tucker? Just, Kyle like, Tucker just can't. Did he like sleep with Jeff Luna's <laughs> daughter or something? Like what's going on? It's weird. I <laughs> just cannot crack that roster. We will see him in September, but. Uh, right, yeah, he's on the phone. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, probably. <laughs> Who knows? You mentioned, the, uh, kind of alluded to Glaber Torres being ninth. Really speaks to the incredible young talent in the game that this kid is ninth. I'll say it again, should be a red, should be in this game right now. Yep. Uh, <laughs> he really should. He'd be I one mean, of the guys on the bases right now. Bases yeah. are chocked. Maybe he'd be bases up right juiced. now. Yeah, maybe. These guys in. He probably would be betting eight. <laughs> uh, for this team for some dumb reason. Uh, but it is incredible because Claybert Torres is insane. Obviously, he can't face the Orioles every game. He's has, what, like nine home runs against the Orioles or something this year? Uh, maybe more. But I think it's more, actually. <laughs> probably it's is. More. <laughs> he's just so fun to watch. And really, we saw him in the Fall League a few years ago and just seemed like a poised, uh, good guy. I mean, we were right on field level and he was kind of yucking it up with some fans. It just seemed cool. And um, 281 average, 877 OPS this year, 29 homers. I guess that OPS mark, you don't look at that and say otherworldly, and he's only got four stolen bases. But to be doing that at 22 years old is remarkable. Yeah, and, you know, with Torres, I, you know, there might not be another level there. Like, this might just be who he's going to be in his prime years. Like, I think yeah. that that's – you have to keep that in mind with young players. There's not always, like, a next step. Like, sometimes what you're seeing is just them at in their prime. And I think that might be the case with Torres where he's just, like, a guy that hits around two, in the 270 to 290 range, 30-plus uh, bombs every year, and that's an awesome player. It's not a first-round – pick it's not even a second round pick but he's going to be a top 50 pick i think for a long time yeah he's really really good but yeah maybe and i know jeff zimmerman was writing about kind of aging curves guys breaking in as good as they'll ever be maybe that's the case with torres but if that is the case and he's just this player for the next five years that's uh pretty darn good joe adele number 10 another guy we haven't seen yet it doesn't sound like we are going to see him maybe Seemed like he had an outside chance earlier in the year, but they've kind of taken that off the table. Yeah, and that's totally fine. Um, very interested to see where his ADP ends up in drafts because this is another guy where I think, you know, the hype on him in spring training, uh, hopefully he's he's healthy this spring training, but the hype on him in spring training could just be uh, really extreme. I mean, I could see him turning a lot of heads and – is, this is another guy where the speed, you know, where do you value uh, the speed of a guy like this? Because he could steal 20-plus bases pretty easily, uh, even if he starts the year in the minors, which he probably will. Uh, but I think he's going to be one of those guys like Vlad, Chris Bryant, Ronald Acuna, where he's up in late April. And, you know, it be interesting to see what they do to kind of make room for him because um, I believe – everyone's still coming back. I think Cole Calhoun's still under contract. So um, they they will have to find a spot for him, but he's got the type of upside where he could be top three on this list a year from now. I mean, he's got crazy, crazy power speed upside. I mean, he's, you know, the, the fact that Ronald Cunha is chasing down 40-40 and it almost never happens is really amazing. I don't think Joe Adele is ever going to go 40-40, but he's one of the few baseball players alive that actually physically could go 40-40. So that's really awesome, but there's there's some swing and miss there. Um, I I think I said the nine guys I have ahead of him, I'm 100% sure that they are they either are or will be really good MLB hitters. And I'm only about 80% sure that Adele will be a really good MLB hitter. Like there's a chance that maybe he's a 250 guy that just hits for a ton of power, which is great. But I mean, this is elite company he's in. So that's, that's why he's 10th and not higher given how high I just said his ceiling is, is I'm, there's still a chance that he 
is not a positive contributor in batting average. Yeah, that'll be fun to see him and Mike Trout in the same outfield and Otani too in that same lineup. Um, if only they get some some pitching. Maybe Otani can pitch a little bit next year, but uh, they need some starting pitching desperately there to to be competitive. Uh, Ozzy Albie's right behind Joe Adele, and I was really high on Albie's going into 2018. I thought maybe he was a little bit cost prohibitive going into this season. Oops, I blew it. Uh, 18 homers, 12 stolen bases, 294. He's been awesome. And as a switch hitter, 22 years old, he may not have the upside of these other guys we've talked about, but steady, you know, guy that you can just um, pick and lock in and never really worry about at all. He's got a lot of appeal. Yeah, I mean, it's not uh, it's not the exact same type of production, but like I, I sort of compare him to just uh, a guy like Elvis Andrews at the same age where – you know, we could look up 10 years from now and Ozzy Albies might have been a top 10 fantasy second baseman in all 10 of those years if he stays healthy. Yeah. And that just that type of steady contribution. I mean, he's 22 years old still. It feels like, I mean, he has been in the big leagues for a couple of years now, but it's he's so young. I mean, he's got so many good years still ahead of him. He's going to be in one of the best lineups in baseball uh, for that whole stretch. Um just he he feels like more of a compiler than the rest of these guys where like you're not gonna look up and be like man Ozzy Albies hit four homers last week and you know like but over the course of the season you'll look up and the only category where he won't be a stud is RBI I mean he's a guy that can steal 100 runs any year he's gonna hit for a high average 20 plus homers 10 plus steals I mean that that type of steadiness I think uh, has to be rewarded which is why he's ahead of some guys that maybe have a higher ceiling, but, I mean, his floor is just so high. Next up, Gavin Lux, another guy we haven't seen debut, but you have ETA here, September 2019. And I know this isn't just, you know, you, you know, with your stash of Gavin Lux in the stake league, not just um, you hoping, you really believe that he'll be up. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. If it was just betting and it was even odds, I might bet that he comes up, but it's I'm not confident about this one. It's just I think it makes you're using logic. I'm I'm maybe I'm using too much logic. Uh, it seems insane to me that a team that could easily win the World Series would not take their 25 best guys with them to the postseason. But it's kind of like <laughs> maddening. It's kind of infuriating. Really. <laughs> if I'm they not even a Dodger, if they don't bring him up, I will be very upset uh just as a some as someone who likes seeing players rewarded uh and and get what they deserve i mean what more do you want gavin lux to do to to be a part of this uh postseason run i mean i think he's done everything in his power to force the issue uh andrew friedman said last week that luck he admitted like lux has earned a call up uh we just don't see a spot for him right now on the roster and and in his defense, it's the Dodgers, so of course all these guys are playing really well. Like Matt Beattie's playing really well. Uh, they just brought back Enrique Hernandez and Chris Taylor, who were playing really well before they got hurt. So it's not like they're carrying a bunch of scrubs. So I, I get what he's saying there, but it's not like they have a guy of Gavin Lux. Like there's room for Gavin Lux in their best lineup, and you know I think he's got a much higher upside heading into. October than Enrique Hernandez or Chris Taylor or Matt Beattie or even Alex Verdugo. So, uh, you know, I think he should be up, but I don't think it's a lock because I think the Dodgers, they, there's probably some formulas they can run that say he gives us a point something percent better chance. So why start his clock if it's only for that much? But I, I think it would be a mistake. But, you know, just looking towards next year, um, even if he's not up this year, he'll be up for almost all of next year. And I think the guy that he compared the, the best sort of analog for him of the guys we've talked about is probably Glaber Torres, where it's going to be a, a high batting average, maybe not a batting title type of batting average, but a high batting average with 30 plus homers. Um, and I think they, they kind of developed similarly too, where, all of a sudden it just went from 15 to 20 homer power to 30 plus homer power seemingly sort of overnight just because of how good hitters they were. 
And I think that's what we're seeing from Lux this year. So, I mean, he's got a a high ceiling, especially in the, those four categories. Speed, you know, he used to be a, a more of a base sealer than he's been this year. I know part of that was he wasn't running earlier this year. I think he had a hamstring thing he was uh, trying to uh, deal with that, that might have affected that. But it, he could be a 15-steal guy in, like, his peak years just because of how much he'll be on base. Nice. Well, before we get to the final three on the list of the top 15 hitters under 23, FantasyDraft.com would like to bring you an important message about Rake. Are you tired of paying high fees to play Daily Fantasy? Do you know that over time, these fees called Rake can cost Daily Fantasy players over 30% of their bankroll? As Daily Fantasy sites continue to raise Rake, prize pools are being squeezed more and more, making it harder and harder for players like you to win. More rake just means more money lining the pockets of the big DFS sites and less money for players. But change has arrived. Fantasy Draft has changed the game by bringing you rake-free daily fantasy. That's right. You're now able to play your favorite contests without paying any rake. On Fantasy Draft, 100% of entry fees will be paid out to contest winners 100% of the time. Playing your favorite contests rake-free on Fantasy Draft will save you hundreds or even thousands of dollars in rake every month. Rake-free daily fantasy is truly a game-changer. Just imagine what playing on Fantasy Draft is going to do for your bankroll. Register at FantasyDraft.com today to take part in the rake-free revolution. Use promo code RWNFL to receive a free seven-day trial. Next up, James, number 13 on the list, Victor Robles. Kind of a good, not great season, I guess. You know, for Roto-wise, he's been pretty pretty darn good with 19 stolen bases. I uh, wish the efficiency may be a little bit better. He's been caught seven times. Uh, but 16 homers, 250 average, fine. And for a lot of the other, you know, stolen base guys who went in that range, you know, I guess he was kind of going by late in draft season, kind of around that uh, Jonathan VR range. But if you got one of those two, you're thrilled. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, sure, maybe you took him thinking that there was a chance you could get 35, 40 steals from him this year. But that was certainly not a bad pick. I mean, no. getting a guy that's going to steal 20-plus bases really You're anywhere. you to avoid a Billy <laughs> Hamilton? Yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. This. I mean, it's it's been a fine year for Robles. Uh, I note that he, just per sprint speed, he's the fastest player on this entire list. Uh, but he's also the only player on this entire list who could conceivably be in the bottom third of the order for the next couple of years. I mean, there's there's no guarantee that he moves up to that leadoff spot just given the other options they have. So that's part of the reason why he's maybe lower than you might think given the stolen base upside. We just can't count on him for uh, big time contributions and runs but especially rbi i mean he'll, he'll he'll still score a decent amount of runs from from towards the bottom of the order but um you know he was a when he was a prospect he was a hit over power guy and he's sort of turned into more of a power over hit guy i think that that could even out i think uh he'll continue to get better as a hitter with with batting average and everything like that but i mean it's a it's a loaded list i mean 13th maybe seems a little low for a guy that I, I even project in this article that he's going to go 2020 next year, and I've got him ranked 13th. So it's a, it's a really loaded list. Yeah, I you know I was on Mondesi. I would have been better off taking Robles, even though Mondesi still has, what, 12 more steals, even though he's missed all this time. And um, stolen base is super valuable. But, yeah, that's, you know, Robles uh, should have been probably pushed up even higher this year, just given – um, the stolen base upside. It hasn't quite hit that upside, but still been a really valuable contributor across the board. Uh, 14th, Eloy Jimenez. Things haven't been really great for Eloy this year, but uh, you still really like him long-term. Probably a guy you're going to be very much invested in next year. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's the only guy really on this list that you could argue is a buy low, quote-unquote. Like I I don't think in a dynasty league you're actually able to really buy low on Jimenez. Uh, maybe <laughs> 291 you, on base. You know, he's on a, if if you just look at like a, a full season pace, he's on a 40 homer pace as a rookie. And that's that goes, you know, there aren't many guys that do that as a rookie. I mean, he's not going to get to 40 homers, uh, which kind of ties into 
my biggest concern about him has nothing to do with the batting average or the OBP. It has to do with the fact that he just always misses time with injuries. Mm. And that's been a thing for the past two years at least where it's just, you know, minor thing here, minor thing there, minor, you know, minor, like four different injuries sometimes in, in each of these past three years. And then it amounts to him missing 30 games. And I think we have to kind of factor that in heading into next year. I, I only project him to hit 34 homers next year because of missed time. I think if, if you told me he was going to play 155 games, I'd say he hits 40 plus homers, but I think you have to cook in some missed time with Jimenez, but uh, this is by far the worst he's going to be in terms of batting average and OBP. I, I think he's going to be eventually a, a positive contributor in batting average. Uh, so that's that's maybe where the buy low comes in. If, if his owner thinks he's only like a true talent 260 hitter in his prime, I would take the over on that uh, pretty easily. So maybe that gives you an opportunity to buy low on him. But you know, a big time run producer. Uh, also, all of his, almost all of his starts have come in the five or six hole this year. That's not going to be the case uh, going forward. He'll be hitting third or fourth for them uh, for most of his prime. So there'll be more counting stats to be had. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's been just kind of a normal rookie year for Eloy where, you know, we get spoiled with just how good a lot of these rookie seasons have been. But, he's just kind of having a normal one and next year I think is going to be his coming out party. Yeah. I mean, there'll be a discount on Vlad, but I think Eloy is probably going to be like really cheap mm-hmm. in drafts. People are really going to, he'll be going in like the one fifty, one sixty range, probably something like that. Yeah, I could see it. Now another white sock rounds out the list. Luis Robert, uh, really crushing it at triple a, although I saw one of his homers was off Dioner Navarro. So <laughs> not one off his home run total in terms of legit home runs. You say you don't quite buy what Robert is selling, even at this point. Why is that? Well, he's just so toolsy that I don't think, like, I don't think we can say that his success against Double A AA and Triple A pitchers guarantees success against big league pitchers. Like, he just has uh, enough bat speed and enough raw power where he's able to do so much damage on the pitches he does connect with. I think he uh, is still a guy that could be exploitable uh, in the big leagues, especially on off-speed stuff. You know, he's not a uh, very patient hitter. He's not going to take a ton of walks. Um, Even if he hits, even if he's like a 245 hitter, which I would not be surprised by at all. I know a lot of people would be like, whoa, man, what a, what a disappointment. Like that is 100% in play. He could only be a 245 hitter. But even if he's that, he's still going to be a 2020 guy. So I mean it's it's a high floor in that sense. The the power and the speed uh is the big selling point here. I'm very uh you know, concerned about what his eventual batting average is going to be, uh, and it might be the type of thing where he kind of goes through a Yohan Mankata couple years where he's underwhelming people with what he's hitting in terms of batting average and then he puts it all together eventually and uh, becomes the player we all thought he'd be but it might be two years later than people had hoped so i think there's concerns with the hit tool just because i think he's getting by on uh tools and not necessarily uh, approach and, and pitch recognition but i might have said a lot of the exact same things about fernando tatis jr uh in the spring so just because I'm saying that about Robert doesn't mean I, I can't be very wrong about it and sound really stupid. But, uh, you know, the fact that he even made this top 15, I think, is an accomplishment for him. Yeah, I mean, his AAA hitting coach said basically the same thing you did. Like, he's just out-talenting the competition right now. And maybe when he can't do that at the big league level, there will be some holes exposed and he'll have to make those last refinements in his game. Um, yeah, it could be... A learning curve, certainly, well, for him. I, I think his teammate, Eli Jimenez, I mean, I, yeah, I mentioned right. Yon Mankata. I think the same thing sort of happened with Jimenez this year where he just had so much uh, power and was able to just destroy mistakes and post crazy numbers at AA and AAA. And then, uh, I mean, big league pitchers are just so much better than minor league pitchers. Mm-hmm. It's 
it's a big adjustment for guys that don't really have that elite hit tool uh, when they make their big league debut. Absolutely. Well, great stuff. I recommend you guys check out the full article for yourself. Farm Futures Top 15 Hitters Under 23. Go to slash pod for a free 10-day trial. But James, let's talk about our uh, list of commercially successful hip-hop songs that we still bump to this day. And I got one that maybe some people would say, eh, it's not really like a commercial jam, but it really is. I was doing some research and I saw it on the list of the top 100 most commercially successful hip-hop songs of course was in a remix of it was all over the commercials this year uh, with the debut of us the the jordan peele movie i got loonies i got five on it one of my all-time favorite jams some really good remixes to it as well um i'm glad more people learned about this song as a result of us because this is one of my all-time favorite songs I would never question this being commercially. Okay, good. Um, yeah, I mean, I maybe uh, our younger listeners, if we have any younger listeners, uh, probably not. <laughs> um, maybe they wouldn't recognize it as a commercial song, but I mean, I heard this at parties in college and stuff like that. I mean, it was definitely mainstream enough that a uh, bunch of white people enough. in Minnesota were listening to it. So. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Just <laughs> white people in Wisconsin. Yeah. So I was going to say the exact same thing. Um, there's a remix, I think, with like Drew Down, maybe my guy E40, Fonzarelli. How <laughs> dare you? Um, actually, I don't know if Fonzarelli's in that one, but I think Drew Down is. Um, I even like the Us remake that's just the beat, you know, it's really cool, kind of scary. Um, but see Us and, and definitely Bump, I got five on it. Actually, my fantasy football league, my hometown league, is IG5OI, named after this song. So uh, this one's going to be a worthy addition to the playlist. Thanks, uh, Andrew Redding. All right. Mine is Oh Boy by Cameron. Nice. I could have chosen any three to four Cameron songs, and they would have qualified for this uh, criteria. But I think Oh Boy is my favorite of the ones that I would definitely say were commercial. I mean, like, it, you know, I remember the video uh i mean this was popular i think even with people that aren't that into hip-hop um that i might get you know i took some heat from for my fabulous submission uh last week but i stand by it i I Mm -hmm. think anyone that disliked that one might have similar things to say about this one but uh look i got a soft spot for some early 2000s commercial hip-hop out of new york you know sue me (laughs) look i i was never a huge fab guy but i'm not gonna i didn't have any problems with that pick Uh, i mentioned my brother was a big fabulous guy i'm just glad you chose this cam song over like what the world means or what means the world to you hell no (laughs) um oh oh boy yeah i mean i I, like it was an easy call to go oh boy yeah I'll i'll just say that oh boy was the call i mean we like Cam, but um, this is probably the cream of the crop for him in terms of the commercially successful ones. I think Kill a Cam. Oh. I mean, if that counts. I don't think I could just I, – I, I honestly don't think I could count anything off Purple Haze, even uh, the the track with uh, Kanye West. I, I just don't think that was a commercial album, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I had to go off of something from Come Home With Me. Very nice. Well, that'll do it for us this week. We'll be back – Next week, thank you all for listening to the RotoWire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.